Welcome to our podcast series, Are You Gung Ho? Brought to you by Gung Ho, of course. We're a creative communications agency focused on sports, fashion, and lifestyle. Now, Gung Ho is a Mandarin phrase that translates as work together. It captures our spirit and drive, and we build communities through authentic communications. It's what we do best together. No drama or no egos. And we're very proud to elevate brands and the people that make them. We're also about sharing knowledge and creating community for the greater good and better future for all. That's why we've created this series to inspire people through personal stories of change makers at the crossroads of sports, fashion, lifestyle and innovation. And we hope it inspires you to take action too, whether that's for your life, career or business. My name's Paul Feeden, I'm the CEO of Gunco, and I'm lucky enough to be talking to some amazing people in this series. For this episode, I'm delighted to welcome Geraldine Worry. Hi, Geraldine. Hi. Hi, Paul. So a bit of a profile for you. Um, Geraldine is a fashion futurist, an educator, designer with a focus on the style industry. She works as a consultant with global brands, with agencies and also institutions to explore and implement preferable futures, philosophy, sustainability and actually systemic change. Geraldine is also an educator and works with professionals and creatives around the world using methodologies of forecasting to ignite the futurist inside of themselves with her school, The Trend Atelier. So Geraldine, always loved that title, and we're here to talk about you as a change maker. Now, I will stop talking very soon, but I just want to actually also mention that I've had the delight of working with Geraldine now for around three years, I think, uh, as Geraldine is Gung Ho's resident futurist. Geraldine's approach and content are always inspirational and one step ahead, informing, augmenting and future-proofing the work that we do here. And I'm delighted that Geraldine is part of our team in helping discover and translate future thinking into relevance now and guide us in how we navigate the puzzling economic, social and environmental terrain we're all in. Being at the forefront of shifts in consumer mindsets and brand responses has never been more important and this will enable us to drive innovation and embrace resilience. So my first question for you, Geraldine, is how did you get here? Can you provide a snapshot of the journey of how you got to do what you're doing? I was thinking about this question and I decided to share a little bit of my personal story because you know usually you have the sort of professional bio and I think ultimately it's a lot of determination that started, you know, as as young as I was a toddler. I just remember being incredibly determined and incredibly curious. Uh, there are pictures of me when I was two, just eyes wide open. I was always observing the world. And when I was 10 months old, I, my, I broke my leg. I had a cast for two months, but I started walking with a cast on because I, I was going to walk. And I also refused to take the bottle from age, uh, I think I was 10 months old. And fast forward, I guess, to age 11. And I had such an eccentric fashion style that people would stare at me in the street. And then fast forward to my studies. And I was studying in France, but I really loved streetwear and performance fabrics. And that was very different from everyone else. But I was already, I think, without realizing it, a bit plugged into the future. And because I'm half American, I was able to go and to live in New York back in 99. And uh, there I joined a cult streetwear brand called Triple Five Soul. And that's where kind of things really jump started for me 
And for the following 11 years, I was designing and managing collections. So I'm one of the few industry insiders that also, I'm not just a futurist, I'm not just a thinker, I also really understand the cog wheels of a fashion brand. And then I needed a change. Change is important in my life, just always learning. And back in 2010, I decided I wanted to come back to my uh, roots, to my European roots, and I moved to London. London was always a place I, I was curious about because I should add that my father's English. So that's when I joined WGSN because I... I loved designing, but I was tired of the very, very fast pace of fashion. I wanted something new, and then the rest is history. I started my consultancy in 2013, and I guess to answer your question of why I'm doing what I do, my father's a filmmaker, and I've always loved telling stories. I've always loved writing, and I guess there's an element in what I do of telling the story of the future through very intense research, obviously. But my purpose has always been to focus on macro trends and really the longer term vision of the future because I think for years now, the fast pace of fashion has just felt counterintuitive to what needed to be done in the world. And so I'm, I guess I would, you could say I'm driven by long-term shifts and purpose forecasting, I, if that's a term, purpose-driven forecasting just putting climate and social justice very much at the forefront of what I do. But also, I just get amazing pleasure out of unlocking ideas for people. You can see it in their eyes. You can see when people have understood something. And I remember that feeling myself when I was a toddler, all of a sudden understanding something. And it's just a magical moment when you can help people in in that way. So although what I do is really strategic, it's is very human in a way. Totally, and I mean, on top of that, really creative as well, I would say, completely, you know, having the experience of working with you. I mean, obviously you seemed quite focused from a young age, which is, uh, I think, perhaps led you to this. But I think actually thinking about it, Geraldine, you know, that experience as a designer, I can imagine, you know, seasonal collections, really thinking, working with trends, but from a sort of um, design perspective, that really just validates even more what you're doing now because it's so much beyond that, isn't it, in a sense? As you say, long-term macro change and change in behaviour. And I think, but having that as experience, I can imagine just really kind of enables you to even have more confidence about what you're doing in many ways because of that knowledge and experience. Yes, I mean, I think it has been a really great asset in the sense that it's always really important to understand who you're speaking to and understand their challenges. And I'm not just dealing with abstract sort of thinking and big ideas. I I understand the, the problems on the ground. So I've often had a way of presenting those macro trends in a way that was relatable for people who have, you know, are managing collections. Yeah, no, I think, and, and again, that's that's one of the key things, I think, when working with trends in the sense is how you actually can make them relevant and workable and tangible in a sense in the now from the experience that I've had particularly I would say that's something that you know is is really great about the way you work so in terms of this you know I love the title I've said futurist and um, I've often said oh well you know we'll speak to Geraldine our resident futurist and I know that always kind of I like saying that to clients actually (laughs) but what's your definition of it I mean you've touched on it just now but what's your definition of that I mean, obviously, a futurist is someone who makes predictions about the future, but it's much more than that. 
uh, a futurist has a very long view of the future and can scenario build or I would even say scenario create the future 10 or plus more years from now. So a futurist ha should have a few tools under their belt, such as creative thinking, maybe a little bit of science fiction or, uh, but essentially because we're looking at across society and, and timelines, we need to like extrapolate from current weak and strong signals to point to the likelihood of futures or possible futures or even in our work together sometimes i've talked about wild card futures futurists are important to help companies and even governments um, carter the former president i think he worked with futurists in the u.s um, because essentially we help organizations uh, envision the world and build strategies envision this future so although a futurist isn't a philosopher a futurist should have a sort of philosophical mindset or view on the future because the knowledge gathered and communicated needs to run quite deep so i think actually years ago i i actually didn't give myself the title futurist for a long time someone i just called myself a trend forecaster but i i had some cognitive dissonance with that because i didn't want to be associated with fast trends and someone i work with who commissions big projects sometimes is like no but you're a futurist and i realized yes actually you're right i am a futurist so i embrace that term and I think I, I'm really happy I've been focusing on long-term trends and that was sort of a, a choice to be aligned with my own goals as well that I did years ago because today more than ever that's what brands want. They want to, the long-term future. They realize they can't align with fast, fast trends anymore. And I would add, you know, when you ask why is it important, I think that it's important because brands should work with futurists and that will help realize their responsibilities towards future generations but also having a long-lasting legacy a good brand but i actually think that we can all awaken the futurist inside of us and although what i do is a bit specialized at the moment i think that literacy futures literacy will probably ta be taught in primary schools in the future and that in a way, what I do, I'm hoping it can be democratized and demystified because uh, at the moment we need to all have very bold dreams about the future because we're going through, as you said, uncertain times and radical changes. So some of the things in our toolbox as futurists are helpful for everyone, not not just companies. I totally agree. And I think the, the phrase very uh, easily unlocks it away from trend forecaster as well and actually it's a much bigger role as you say that you can play with brands and organizations and institutions interestingly the trend forecasting side was perhaps the domain of product and marketing but actually working with you and I guess you're working with brands and organizations it's a much bigger remit you can go beyond that to actually talk about big changes in the future and kind of create this image of what the future could be for them what they should be doing within it so I guess you are working, I mean, we're probably working with a real cross-section of people. Yeah, I am. I work with brands who work on electronics or I've worked on projects for the future of, for example, the Dubai airport uh, because it's a huge retail destination, well, prior to the pandemic, but um, it was still a place that was funneling over 90 million people a year. 
So that involved looking at the future of travel. And that was amazing. I got to uh, interact with one of the creators, engineers of the Maghreb train and an astronaut. But then I also work with, you know, people who are just trying to learn how to forecast trends. So it's a really wide span. And I would say that's very important to me to be pragmatic and not always be in the high level thinking, but really do things that are about action and easy application. My belief has always been that you can present challenging ideas, but if you present them in the right way, people will understand them. To never ever underestimate the intelligence of people, that that's always been my, my thing and that's what I try and do when we do events together as well. So moving on to something that we, we talked about throughout this podcast series is community. And I know we've worked um, closely together on the last report that you did, The Future of Community. Um, and we'll talk about that in a moment. But just from your perspective, how important is community to you? And what's, what's kind of your definition of it, in a sense, in, what, in the work that you do? I think it's, it's everything. And, you know, I'm actually a little bit of an introvert. I need a lot of personal space. People don't always realize that because I do a lot of public speaking. But I do thrive through communication and, and kinship. And community is about kinships and, you know, as individuals, we're great, but as together, together, we're mighty full. And although change can start on the individual level, together, we can do so much more. And I picked up a quote by Margaret J. Whitley. There is no power for change greater than a community discovering what it cares about. So community is about creating this momentum as a group where you have these common shared values. And for me personally, community is key because uh, I'm building what's called a relational practice, which is really about creating unity and having an understanding of people's inner and outer lives. And for me, community has been about very going from the micro, very one-to-one -one conversations and understanding people's needs to macro communications and just somehow bringing it all together uh, towards the greater good. And as you know, I've been creating my own community, the Trendatoya community, and it's been absolutely transformational. So in a way, we did this report, but I've also put it into action in this past year, and I, I've, I've learned so much. So community is, is about finding your people and it's about kindness and kinship and yeah, and having that momentum and that support together. So Geraldine, we were really lucky to work with you on um, the last trend report, which was the future is community. I know I've mentioned that. And uh, we've had a fantastic response to that report, um, not just from our clients, but from other brands and indeed a lot of um, sort of the student community, I guess, as well. But in general, kind of it's been quite varied and, 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 and as I say, really well received. Now, we touched on a number of different themes and, and sort of chapters, if you like, within that report. And I'd just like to touch on a couple of those because they're so relevant because it was all about the impact of 2020, in essence, and the pandemic. Let's just touch on one, for example, which is uh, the first chapter, which is all voices. And that's all about amplifying voices a lot more, democratising solutions, seeking solutions, and this very interesting phase, ecocide. So let's get into that. Can you give us a little bit of a highlight as to some of the findings and recommendations that have come out of that chapter? 
Years ago, we saw the emergence of activism, and now it's really at the forefront. Our activist brain has awakened, and people who have felt unheard or marginalized, either due to their, the color of their skin or their physical abilities or their gender, have a voice and are being heard. And brands, governments, organizations, individuals are understanding they really need to to change their language and their biases. And what's been really interesting is this activist culture rising. And I, I would, I'm not even sure the term activist is correct because marginalized people are, always had the, the, the right to be heard. But today we're seeing, you know, brands who really have to ask themselves what are the perhaps even sometimes unintended consequences of what they're doing um, in their programs, their products, services, and and it's just an incredible time, even with the younger generation, Gen Z, who are incredibly aware of this. And um, even just in the census report, the world is changing, and the world is this beautiful rainbow, and the unheard voices means even the voice of the planet is being heard with notions such as ecocide. And even the voices of children are being heard. So when you see Greta Thunberg being a global leader, so Unheard Voices is a, a, the chapter we called All Voices is about how Browns can, can relate to that and really make sure they, they listen to all the voices. Another um, chapter that I think is totally relevant, in the report, you talk about new workspaces. And that was a, really a subject that everybody's kind of talking about. What, what do you feel is going to come through? And what are you seeing with this, with this trend now? I think well-being is going to have to be absolutely central to how brands approach this fluid workspace now where a lot of people will be working part-time from home, possibly. This can accelerate new digital bonds, but on the same t- at the same time, we have to understand the different personalities within staff. And some people might feel very isolated. Uh, some people might love working from home. And so understand that it's not a one-size-fits-all and really have consultations with staff. And there is a notion of well-being even as an economic alliance, as a model. And this is something that's being joined by entire countries. So there's a rise in burnout as well at the moment because there's a, a smaller line between home and work. And brands have to take responsibility for some staff members possibly burning out. It's not the fault of the staff. It's the, it's the responsibility of the, the brand to manage that. Would you say we're really moving you know, into a, a, a different kind of phase in terms of workspace? I mean, the report, if people get to look at it, I mean, there's some really great takeouts from that. But I sense it's, you're totally right. There's a focus on well-being, creating the right space. Community, I think, is also really important when it comes to the workplace. But certainly I sense that, you know, there's going to be a lot more flexibility. And even fun and gamification. Everyone is on Zoom, but there's a number of other really great applications that are where people can join meetings as avatars or be in these interesting digital spaces or we can have fun doing presentations. So although Zoom is the leader at the moment, there are a lot of other options coming up now to make this digital life more fun and, and bring serendipity back. 
bit of spontaneity as well. Absolutely. Obviously, the impact of the pandemic has had brought on enormous change. What actually, what did it bring for you? What what happened for you last year, and obviously in continuing to this year? What what how did it affect what you do? And I can imagine actually making predictions during such turbulent times would possibly be quite hard. So you know, essentially, what what was the impact for you? It had a big impact. Well, first of all, there was a huge rush in predicting what the world would look like post-pandemic, and I just did not do that. I just chose not to do that. I refused to do that. I, I went the complete polar opposite, which I went into observation mode. I think also probably I was a bit in a state of shock. Um, I had talked about scarcity in previous report, but it was more around water or food and and the the pandemic in, in the sort of epidemic way, virus way, I hadn't really uh, thought about. In terms of my client work, clients sort of put long-term projects on hold, but I had a lot more strategic consultations, one-to-one calls. So that was really interesting. And now the sort of longer term projects have resumed uh, since the beginning of 2021. And then for me personally, it had a big impact because I had COVID myself. So, and then I had long COVID. So um, I had to take time to, to take a break or just look after my health. I was still working, but actually that time off allowed me to gain a greater perspective on what was really important to me. And that's also when I started my community, actually, and started building it anyways. So something positive has come out of a, you know, a difficult time, which is always, you know, I've heard that a lot of that, you know, lots of challenges, but some good has come through. And it's great that it enabled you to build your community. And, and let's just talk about that a little bit, because, you know, I've been seeing how active you are in building that. Uh, and the education side of what you do. Um, you're a great communicator, but I, and I can see, you know, how you could draw an audience in many ways. But I mean, how is that side of your business going? And, and, and you know, what sort of feedback are you getting from students? And, and where do they come from? And how do they, they find you in a sense? They generally find me through what I write or the events where I speak or my social media. They've somehow heard about my work through different avenues. The online community is from all over the world. We have people in New Zealand, uh, Lithuania, Poland, the west coast of the US, uh, the east coast. We have people in the Philippines. We also have a member who's in Senegal. We just have, it's amazing. It's been really transformational and the community is essentially to elevate, I'm gonna just tell you our mission because I've written it down. It's to elevate the work of future forecasters to envision and create a preferable future. But obviously, Many of our members are not necessarily full-time forecasters, but they use future forecasting in their work. So I just want to point that out. What I've done with the community is really focus on getting to know my members. So it shifted my relationship from students that were taking my online courses, which are self-paced, to all of a sudden meeting them one-to-one, you know, in their home via, via digital, obviously, but you know, really building that one-to-one relationship. And that has been amazing. And I've just been, you know, humbled by the genius of, of people. People thank me for the support I give and what I teach, but they don't realize how how much purpose this brings into my life. No, that's amazing. I can imagine um, 
you know, having that time, not only as a group, but the one-to-one would be so useful for them. And that's something that's great that you can offer. Uh, In that sense, given everything that you do and the sort of scope of it, is there anything that you're particularly proud of? Is there anything sort of stand out for you that would say, you know, this was a moment which I really felt, you know, I was able to make a big change or was personally something really satisfying? What, what would that be? I think the teaching aspect of what I do is gives me great pleasure. And that can be with my clients. It's not necessarily with students, but it can just that moment when someone discovers that moment of discovery and understanding some of the more meaningful things I've done is is, is almost handhold people through their journey into you know creating a more sustainable company or or just giving them advice that they can action on and so I'm I'm most proud of of, of the of supporting people on their own mission really given the scope of what you do is there anything you'd also like to learn or do in terms of something new, Geraldine, is there sort of any sort of plans in that sense? I know that I'll be continuing my community, the Trendette community, and that will have different iterations, but I am hoping to start really focusing more on drafting a book uh, next year, and I'm also working on creating a type of new forecasting system, and I've already signed myself up uh, for a course next year that will be like an intensive long course uh, on transition design so I'm trying to also teach myself how to create new systems. I always have different courses and workshops that I release and and I have people I dream of working with and I love my clients. Um, I feel very fortunate that I can have the school, the community and work with amazing clients. I'm not sure if you were able to say this, but if you had like a dream client or project, well, you know, what comes to mind? The person I dream to get in touch with and do something with is Desmond Tutu. That's someone I dream of, of somehow reaching to. Why Desmond Tutu? Because he's a, he's a spiritual leader. He's been through great adversity. He supports the fight against climate change he is wisdom to me he embodies wisdom and I, th- I think what he's done is incredibly powerful and is a, it forms a, a template and he's organ he's um connected to an organization i'm also connected with called just dig it i think he's just a great inspiration and someone else that i greatly admire that i think if i saw her i would be a bit starstruck is naomi klein for example so these are the types of people that I are building movements, are are just creating powerful change. Change makers, in fact, actually. Change, complete yeah, change absolutely. makers. Yeah. yeah, I can understand that. Thank you. If there was somebody who wanted a bit of advice, thinking, oh, you know, maybe this is a career for me, or I want to get more involved or understand this, what advice would you give them? So I made a list, which is, the first one goes back to community, which is finding your people finding your support system and your source of inspiration and always being humble and kind. It's very important if you wanna be a futurist to always put yourself in a learning mindset and being extremely curious, but understand that all of the facts and knowledge that you're gathering is not gonna go anywhere if you don't do something about it. So 
you also have to learn how to make sense of all of the noise and all of the information. And that's where it gets hard, but it is achievable. So for this, you have to develop your own creative thinking, your own philosophical sense of the world. And I would finish that you have to be okay with uncertainty and learning and working through the messy bits of the possible futures or uncertain futures. And it's very important to understand the future is not something that's like set in stone. And that I think at this stage, it's very important to be a visionary, but not just for profit, but be visionary for the, the good of the future generations ahead. That's those are that's kind of my checklist. That's a great list, yeah. And I think kind of accepting uncertainty, pretty good way of describing it. You'd have to, I guess, wouldn't you? You know, um, be in a very different place if you could guarantee the future. That would exactly. be for sure. Yeah. Okay. If you were able to decide on what your legacy would be, Geraldine, what would it be? I think I love this quote by Gloria Steinem: "A movement is a contagion of dreams." And if I can help be, you know, if I can be a part of a movement uh, that helps fight climate change or just helps create a better future, but even if I can just help one person achieve that goal and realize their own inner power, that for me would be a great legacy. And I'm sure you've already done that. Our last report, Geraldine, the future is community. Um, we had some amazing feedback from many of our clients, and I know a ton of students actually um, got in touch with us to kind of get a copy and, you know, super positive feedback again. I know you're working on the next one. Can you give us a little bit of a, a tease as to what's going to be featured in this one or what the theme and the subjects are? So the next report will be about transparency. And that's a big term and it's a bold ambition, but we feel very strongly about it, having discussed this with the Gung Ho team. So it's about approaching our narrative around social justice and sustainability, even down to how we work with influencers or social media, just how brands must embrace transparency and stop surface engagement in what they do and how they they relate to their to their end users and and of course within that we will always give uh, key takeaways and and advice but essentially we are at a time where we cannot change and move forward if somehow we don't adopt more transparent systems and so in the report we are going to flesh out what what that's about yeah, that's great. And it couldn't be more relevant, could it? Thank you very much, Geraldine. You've been listening to Are You Gung Ho, our podcast with Geraldine Worry and me, Paul Feeden. Big thank you to Geraldine for joining me today and sharing your pearls of wisdom, Geraldine. In answer to the question, are you gung ho? I actually firmly believe you are. <laughs> if you want to hear more from Geraldine, please check out her website, GeraldineWorry.com. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. Please look out for the next one. Stay tuned. And if you want to hear more about Gung Ho, the agency, we'd love to hear from you. Check out gungho.com. Until the next time, stay well all and thank you for listening.